It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Truth with Sherwin Hughes. There's, um, there's a style of <clears throat> music production and arrangement. That's why I played David Bowie. You know, David Bowie was a crusader for racial justice and called out racism, not just in the music industry, but put MTV on blast. Because they would only play certain videos of certain artists. The only black artist you saw on MTV back in the early days, and I remember when MTV started, was Michael Jackson and Prince. Now, Michael Jackson and Prince, arguably, Prince more, my opinion, more, more of a musician, more talented than Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was good. He was good. Prince was otherworldly. But they became these global international phenomenons largely because of of MTV but as far as black artists went and black music MTV was only really showcasing Michael Jackson and Prince obviously helping their careers become as global as they both were but there was a a band called Chic and they got a song called Freak and if you listen to that song like a lot of black artists at the time that were trying to get Airplay on white radio stations because there's always been more white radio stations than black ones, obviously. So what they would do if they did get airplay, they wouldn't play the entire song. If there's a black artist, they just play a little bit of it. They wouldn't play the whole thing. Okay, just a little bit. So there was a style of producing music where you start with the chorus. The song Le Freak start. It starts with the chorus because those radio stations, white radio stations, wouldn't even play black songs until you got to the chorus or the hook. David Bowie made his song, because David Bowie could have made any kind of song any old kind of way. But when he made Let's Dance, he made it starting with the chorus to pay homage to black artists that had to produce and arrange their songs to start with the chorus because they wouldn't get the entire songs played up until the chorus. That's the kind of stuff that David Bowie did. Shout out to him. He also did a bunch of really weird stuff, too, in the 70s. Like, he dresses up like a woman. He's, Rhea, I don't want to know your thoughts on that. He had a whole character called Ziggy Stardust. I liked him better when he was pro-black. You know, he's, he, was, he was just very, he was versatile. He was kind of otherworldly as well. All right, we're talking about unintended consequences. Yes, Rhea? Yeah, he did. He married a chocolate model from Africa. David Bowie like that chocolate. Is that of course I like the chocolate because I, I David Bowie, and the name is David. I like, yes, so chocolatey like dipping my wick in Nestle's quick. What I said wick. <laughs> I love it. She's very pretty. 
She was in the Remember the Time video with Michael Jackson. She played the queen sitting next to Magic Johnson. That's a good video. My, it came out in the 90s. Yeah, he married a black lady. I don't, did they stay married? They probably got divorced. A lot of those celebrity marriages don't work out. Oh, I don't know if I can stay married to you. Hell no, chocolate. I love the chocolate. I just can't stay married to you. One day, Sherwin Hughes is going to play my music on his radio station. From Good Hugh, Minnesota, as Good Hugh Police Chief Josh Smith struggled this summer to fill vacancies in his small department. He warned the town city council that unless pay and benefits improved, Finding new officers would never happen. So we're talking about the unintended consequences of raising car insurance rates because of all of the reckless driving and the car accidents, car thefts, et cetera, et cetera. And a tried and true method of getting people to slow down is putting more law enforcement officers in strategic areas to clock speeders. Even though it's an imperfect way to do so, it is a guarantee that people will slow down. In fact, if you know that there's a particular stretch of road where the police often clock, you slow down on those roads. And it's lately it has been, or at least in the last couple of years, they really cracked down on Capitol Drive from, say, 20th Street to Green Bay. That little, that stretch, it's a stretch of capital. It's a residential neighborhood. Speed goes down to 35 miles an hour. But a lot of people use that as a racetrack. So the police are very um, present very often on that stretch of Capitol Drive. And how do I know? Because I used to take that stretch of Capitol Drive to Radio City, where we were broadcasting from before we came to the Third Street Market Hall, so I would see the police. Something else that I noticed when I was younger, I was going to tell you this before the I had to take my uh, end-of-the-hour break last hour, is I noticed a lot of African Americans when I was younger that would drive through Brown Deer would get pulled over. It's almost like clockwork. Because I don't know about y'all, but when I see a vehicle pulled over, I always look to see the driver. And I make a stereotypical assessment of what may have gone on, but I always look to see the driver. And I was noticing, especially after I started driving, the number of African Americans that I know didn't live in Brown Deer but were pulled over all the time. And it was usually somewhere right off of Brown Deer Road or they were speeding on Brown Deer Road and people would come from all different parts parts and portions of the city to get to Northridge Mall. But if you weren't familiar with Brown Deer, you didn't know where our cops sat and clock speeders. So the casual observer could say, oh, the Brown Deer police are racist. And there might be some validity to that. But if you're not from Brown Deer, you're not familiar with where our police officers sit to clock speeders, they're going to pull you over. And if African-Americans who were driving through Brown Deer were speeding, and that's the thing about speeding, you know, if people of a particular demographic are just more reckless when they drive, they're going to get pulled over. Now, if it happens to be African-Americans, I mean, what if you have 100 drivers and 50 are white, 50 are black, and of these drivers— 45 of the 50 black ones speed and 20 of the white ones speed. I'm using these numbers to be skewed on purpose. Let's just say on any given day, more African-Americans are late going to work, going to church, going to school, picking the kids up from Big Mama's house, taking the kids to daycare, whatever. Okay. 
And if more African-Americans are speeding, especially through a community in which they don't know the police officers hiding spots, we can't necessarily say the cops are racist because they're pulling over more black people that are speeding. Now, what happens during the incident of the person being pulled over could lead to rate, like could give evidence of racial bias. But speeding is going to get you, especially if that cop is designated to traffic duty, which has to be some kind of punishment. All right, Officer Smith, you screwed up last week. You shot somebody in the face. Now you got to do traffic duty for a month. Oh, drats, or whatever cops say when they get disappointed. Dag nabbit. Darn it. Nothing changed, so Smith quit. So did the few remaining officers leading the Minnesota town of 1,300 residents to shutter its police force last August. America is in the middle of a police officer shortage that many in law enforcement blame on the twofold morale hit of 2020, the coronavirus pandemic, and criticism of police that boiled over with the murder of George Floyd by a police officer. From Minnesota to Maine, Ohio to Texas, small towns unable to fill police officer jobs are eliminating their police departments and turning over police work to the county sheriff, a neighboring town, or even the state police. The trend isn't altogether new. This article appears in NBC News. At least 521 towns and cities with populations of 1,000 to 200,000 are completely disbanding their police departments. This is from 1972 to 2017, according to a peer-reviewed paper by Rice University professor of economics, Richard T. Boylan. In the past two years, at least 12 small towns have completely dissolved their police departments. Didn't that happen in Butler? They dissolved their police department in Butler. This was a couple few years ago. So something happened. In Butler, and Butler's the only thing that's in Butler is the skate land. There ain't nothing in Butler. I don't know what you go to Butler to do. It, okay, it's a skate land, and it's a bar called Bottoms Up, where all the women dress like they wear scan. They're scantily clad, and that's the theme of it. And even the logo of the Bottoms Up Tavern is a is a lady with a booty hanging out. She's bent over. She's unless they change the logo. No, it ain't Betty Boop. It's Betty Booty. She just it's it's bottoms up because it's like it tried they try to get men in the bar so they advertise scantily clad ladies and it works. Men like to see ass. We do. I think women like butt too now, but we y'all don't like ass like us. We will surrender our whole fortune for a glimpse of it. Just like for a little, little, little. Men have lost their whole careers. I'm not kidding you, Rhea. Men have thrown every, I don't know why men do it. Just for, just for, oh, come here. Sherwin. What? I don't do that. I don't be clapping cheeks like that. That's rude. And men do it at work too. They got to stop it. So they had an incident in Butler. And they somebody did an open an open records request in Butler, and there was a large number of African Americans getting pulled over in Butler. And I don't know what y'all was doing in Butler. You guys were either going to Butler Skateland or you were going to Bottoms Up. Okay, 
And they found that every time that the police officers in a very small Butler police department were communicating with each other regarding an African-American, they used the N-word. Every time they arrested or pulled over or jailed an African-American, they referred to them as the N-word. Well, obviously, this led to huge outcry. And then a bunch of officers that were ensnared in this, because it was all public, they were using the N-word to refer to African-American detainees. Like All those officers resigned. And then ultimately, the chief resigned, too. And so the Butler Police Department was dissolved into the and Butler must be in Waukesha County. So the Waukesha County, either Sheriff's Department or another local law enforcement, municipal law enforcement agency took over the Butler Police Department. So this actually is a phenomenon that hit very close to home. Goodhue County, Minnesota is now under contract for law enforcement duties in the town of Goodhue. Even as Sheriff Marty Kelly tries to fill all four vacancies in his own department, he said he has around 10 applicants for those jobs. By comparison, one open position in 2019 drew 35 applicants. Kelly knows that to get to full police staffing, he'll have to hire new deputies away from other towns and counties, creating vacancies in other places, and then they will struggle to fill those. So we do have a police officer shortage, and I know that we're telling young people to get involved in the trades because you can make really good money, family sustaining money, have great benefits, have good money for your pension and your retirement. And you can work pretty much anywhere. Why are not we telling young people to be police? And if we don't like the way the police are acting, if the police are unreformed, wouldn't our children and our grandchildren be the best candidates to create a new era of policing? Wouldn't you think so? But why is that? Why don't we want and being a cop is Okay, I don't want to tell you about the statistics of the number of police officers got shot last year. It was a lot. Like, they had a bad year. The fatalities, I believe, were lower, but a lot of cops, like 350 cops got shot last year. That's That ain't good. But other than that, you could be officer-friendly. If you talk to an African-American who's like 60 or 70 years old, they'll tell you about back in the day when officers were nice. When Felmer's Cheney was like the first black police officer, sergeant person in Milwaukee. I remember speaking to Felmer's Cheney on the telephone. I never met him before, but I talked to him on the telephone. He was a legend. I think he also started the first NAACP in Milwaukee. He did a bunch of things. He needs to get his flowers. Felmer's Cheney does. Why can't we encourage young people to be police? And they could be very good cops. If I'm a person, well, I am, and and I get pulled over, I want to get pulled over by a young person that knows me. Like, oh, hey, hey, Mr. Hughes. Hey, I used to listen to you on, or my grandmother used to listen to you on the radio. Hi, Mr. Hughes. I just want to let you know your tail light is out. You see that? Oh, thank you, young man. Oh, hey, Mr. Hughes. I remember you when I was a little kid. I used to play on your block, and I used to. I used to run around in your yard. Remember me, Mr. Hughes? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, remember you used to chase me off your front yard with your shotgun? Oops, sorry. Hey, kids, get off my damn lawn. My yard is not for playing. I I want that. I want people from the community to get into law enforcement so that they can police us in a respectful manner because they're familiar with the people and the personalities, and they know the story of the neighborhood. When we have cops and we have vacancies in the city of Milwaukee and we have to recruit from elsewhere, and a lot of our recruiting, quite honestly, in Milwaukee does come from elsewhere because there's no residency requirement. 
That doesn't mean that local people can't apply to be cops. It means that people can be a police officer in Milwaukee literally anywhere. So I just wonder, do we hate law enforcement that much? But at the same time, we want more law enforcement. Y'all want more cops. You want more police officers to do traffic duty. I've heard you guys say it on numerous occasions. Another complaint that I've heard is you guys will be driving all throughout the city for whatever reason throughout the day. And you don't see any police officers. And that's very disconcerting for a lot of people. Sometimes y'all just want to see squad cars. You want to see squad cars when you're not doing anything wrong, because that feels like a sense of safety and security when there's patrols that are going on. I don't necessarily follow that logic. If I don't see a police officer, I'm, I assume the neighborhood is safe. If I don't see a cop, if I'm riding around, driving throughout the city, doing my little errands, going my little meetings, whatever I got to do. And if I don't see any police officers, I think, that oh, that's great. I didn't see any cops today. Things are safe. Because when I go to other cities, towns, suburbs, where we know the crime is lower, and it could be anywhere in the country. In the safest communities in this country, you don't see a lot of cops. That is how I know I'm in a place that has a lower rate of crime when you go and do things and there's no police. I went to Florida. I went on vacation. When was it last year? Yeah, it was mostly a disaster. Were you here? You weren't here yet, Rhea, were you, when I went to Florida? You sure? How long you been here? Uh, a year on your birthday. Oh, right. So you had just started, kind of. That was in March of last year. We went to Madeira Beach, Florida. I didn't see not one cop. And I was down there for like a week. On a, I'm sorry. I was on assignment. Assigned going on boat trips and eating lobster rolls and fresh grouper and getting drunk as hell. I got Florida drunk. I was the man from Florida when I was down there. I don't know. One night I was out, I came home with one flip-flop on. Well, I was in Florida. I had a good time. It was 80 degrees even at night. Or you never heard that saying, the man from Florida? Look it up. The man from Florida. It's like a, a euphemism. Oh, yeah, I was definitely the man from Florida. I didn't see any police officers. I also didn't witness any crime. It was it was very touristy, though. It was very nice. Or I should probably take a break, shouldn't I? Why? Florida is a weird place. You just look stuff up. Look up, look what, look up, look up the man from Florida and see what you get. Okay. Look at the first image that pops up. Okay. Is it a man from Florida or the man from Florida? I said the man from Florida. Florida. Okay. I got some movie trailers. You got movie trailer? I got a man. Florida man has 150, 150 live bugs removed from his nose. Yeah. That's, that's what popped up for you? No, but I mean, I'm not shocked. It's just whatever really crazy, weird stuff goes on, you always say it's the man from Florida. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Those out there that are listening, y'all know precisely what I mean. I didn't have bugs in my nose, but I just was, it was wild because I was in Florida. You know, when you're on vacation, because nobody knows you. Don't nobody know me down there in Madera Beach, Florida. I got to act a whole fool. And that's like my alter ego. I got an alter ego. When I'm in like chill mode, vacation mode, I don't have to be like serious and focused on work. I got a whole nother persona that I assume. Baracko drama. (laughs) I got to take a break. You are listening to The Truth with Barack Drama Hughes. I'll be right back.
The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. what I mean? It starts with the chorus. It's like a style of music. It's something about that song, that bass line. Just funk. Like, you, when you hear that, you gotta make a face. Like, you smell something bad. You know that, that face you make when you hear something? You're like, ooh, wee, what is that? Ooh, wee. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're making a face, too, where you gotta be like, oh, damn, what is this? Aw, freak out. Talk to the truth, number one freak. Hello, Al. Hey, how you doing? I hope everybody having a good day. I know you were talking about, you know, why we're not pushing black people to be police officers. I think that would be putting black people in the balls of hell because every time things get out of control that white people don't want to deal with, they throw it to black people. When we look at everything dealing with police officers, the foundation that has been laid has not been repaired by the people who created the disconnection within our neighborhoods. So we're going to put these people that we're going to put our black people in this line of fire of all the chaos and hate and hell that these racists and these uncooped individuals created and say, be an asset to your community. I think first we need to redo the foundation of the police department, along with some of them liars behind the badges, along with some of those people who, who uh, push these laws, because with everything that's going, I would be I would go as far to say somebody white would probably be able to shoot a black police officer and you would have somebody crooked who sit there and say it's okay. There's been too much damage that's been done by the people who are already in there as police officers who did not fix the system, who did not repair the system, and then we're gonna just give it to blacks and put them in there. It's and you know, and, and I understand we do need black police officers, but we got to fix everything from the foundation up before we put our black people in the line of fire. I understand with the trades, they can create their own life. But remember with the trades, they're not coming in the balls of hell in a line of fire due to racism, hate, uh, uh, biases, and crooked laws. They're starting fresh. We're putting them in the line of fire with things that's already created. And also, let's take it a step further. Some people don't even want to deal with black folks, okay, because they already know what they're dealing with. Now we're going to take our people and put them in there who who, who probably going to be like, what did I sign myself into? So I think before we uh, suggest black people being police officers, let's rebuild the foundation. If we ain't going to rebuild the foundation first, don't do it at all, because it's like putting brand new parts on a used car that's ready for the junkyard. 
and we got to have more value for those people that we want to be police officers than putting them in the line of fire. Okay. And I'll leave it at that. All right. Thank you, Al. Appreciate your call. I think it would, we wouldn't, you're not going to make anybody be a cop. I think there's some young people that are interested in justice and criminal justice and would study criminal justice anyway. Why not maybe get them familiar with like the, they got like a cadet program where young people that already have a proclivity toward uh, law enforcement, maybe we would encourage them to consider it as a career option. And we're not making anybody do anything, but let's just add it to the options that young people have. So we're not going to remake any system. Let me be clear about that. I don't want anybody to get their hopes up to think that we are going to rebuild or recreate the criminal justice system. Ah, no, that's not going to happen. But there's a particular statistic that I want to call people's attention to, and I get it, right? Maybe the the entire culture of American policing might have racial overtones to it. So even if you put African-Americans in policing, the structure of it, the institution of it, just had a lot of racial bias built in, where they patrol, how they patrol, what they look for, how they profile, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a fact that sticks with me. The education system, I would say, can also have some institutional and structural bias in it, too, where black children fulfill a self-fulfilling prophecy when they are in the public education system because there's the bigotry of low expectations for black children, you know, these zero-tolerance policies when it comes to arguments and fighting, they expel kids, all this other stuff. But the presence of black male teachers in the public education system makes a monumental difference. It makes more of a difference than black women teachers, especially for black boys. This is from Teach from America. The representation of black men matters in classrooms. Black men spend more time mentoring and counseling students than teachers of any other demographic group for black boys. From low-income neighborhoods, exposure to a single black teacher for one year decreases dropout rates by 39%. And that is in the structure of public education in this country, which I believe has got racial bias in it. So if we take that same logic, the presence of a single black teacher for one year in elementary school reduces high school dropout rates by 39%. If we have that same logic, more African-American men from the neighborhoods in which they are policing, you might see a decrease in crime. Let's talk to Miles. You're on 1017 The Truth. How are you? I'm good, Sherman. Thanks for taking my call, man. Um, called you numerous times before. As some people might know, I'm a former police officer. And you are firing on all cylinders this morning, my brother. Thank you. What used to happen when I was over there in District 5, there was such a racial divide amongst the, the rank and file. So it's illegal to have quotas. So they couldn't tell us, you got to go out there and get more speeders. You got to go out. So they would say, your activity is low. Since all the white officers over-policed us in the community, our people, it was a sentiment that all the black officers, we would tell the sergeant, hey, listen, we're going to go east of the river. And mess with those people where you about UWM. So it was that comment. It was that back and forth, and that serves nobody. Um, to be honest with you, um, that that serves absolutely nobody. Not even our our, our sisters. And uh, I always called you and told you before since you were at uh, NOV with the black officers in the black community. It makes a difference. We had a genuine, authentic concern for our people, uh, and so the transactions would be different. 
a lot of times different. That's right. Uh, and also, yeah, and also remember probably about eight months ago, I called you when I was, I was in the Navy in Norfolk, Virginia, and there was some study out. I don't, I can't, uh, I can't bring it to mind right now, but they were actually paying black men to go to Norfolk state to be educators. They wouldn't pay them literally, but with free education. I don't know if I told you or Dr. Ken, um, but that's, that was in uh, 90. I went in, in, uh, 88 got out in 92. That was in 92. You could check it. 91, 92. Norfolk State was paying black men via tuition uh, to go to go to Norfolk State to be educators. Uh, it makes a difference in our community. Uh, if we're represented, if we are 60% of the north side, why not have the police department reflect that same number, 60%. Like I told you once before, when I was on the south side, I was undercover buying drugs. I wasn't that effective. Because it was a language barrier for one, you know. But I was a damn good undercover officer. I bought a lot of dope around here. Oh, did you? Know you? What I mean? But wow. oh yeah, oh, they yeah. they didn't never they suspect didn't you of being a police officer because sometimes when cops go undercover, y'all just can't help it. Sometimes you do and say cop stuff, and you always blow your cover. You're right. You're absolutely right. No, I was very good at it. For some reason or another, I was very good. I used to go in, in places, and we got some dumb criminals, man. Uh, they even pat me down. They would even pat me down and miss my weapon wow. in the small of my back. I've had that happen before. Um, yeah, so our representation is very critical. And I don't agree with Al. I love to listen to Al. He always has these unique perspectives. However, he's dead wrong on this one right here. You have to let the black cops commu- uh, police ourselves. We, Like I said, when... Uh, I, I was there. It was a number of black officers, and we were all up on the Leonard Wells. Don't call him Lenny. May God rest his soul. Absolutely. And and, and it was a, it was a number of us, man, uh, under under him. And we, uh, we we really care for our community so much. So, man, when the police department couldn't help the the, the customer, a uh, number of us would get together, put money together for a young lady with with uh with kids that was running from her her uh, uh, battery uh, boyfriend. Uh, she was scared, and the women's center was full. We put her up in a hotel for the weekend. That's all we were able to do. But we did it. We did it uh, because it was, I, I don't know, maybe you say it was the, it's the goodness of our heart. I don't know, but it was our people in our community. We had to do it. So it does make a difference. And I'm not saying white officers don't care. I work with a lot of them that do care. I'm not saying that. That's not the statement I'm making. I'm saying it, it makes a difference when you have that black officer in that black community. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, man, for your Thank time. Thank you. Appreciate you, Miles. That was wonderful. See there? Tell your kids to be cops like Miles and buy undercover dope. I'd be a good undercover cop. Yeah, I'd, you know, you got to walk like you want some dope. Like, Yeah, hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey, drug dealers. Hey, I want some drugs. I want to buy some drugs. Yoo-hoo. Drug dealers. They would never suspect that I'm working undercover. Got help. He said, I got to do the drugs. No, I just, no, once I make the purchase, then the um, rest of the officers swoop in and make the arrest. I'm not going to do that. I ain't got to do the damn drug. I can't do the drugs. I'm actually a police officer. I'm just over there to buy the drugs and to trap people and selling me drugs. But they test you. Who going to test me? The dope dealers are? Yeah. They're going to be like, here, smoke this crack heroin fentanyl rock. I'm like, I can't. I'm taking this home. I'm going to enjoy it at home with my shirt off. 
while eating filet of fish. They know you got to smoke it here in front of us so we know you're not a cop, but I can't. I don't know why I'm bobbing my head like this. All right, I got to take a break. You were listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 1017 Truth. Yoo-hoo, drug dealer. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. There are over 700,000 police officers currently employed in the United States. 16.8% of all police officers are women. 83.2% are men. The average police officer age in America is 39. These cops is old. The dude called in yesterday said, oh, we need younger politicians. We need young blood to make decisions and the young people get along. Maybe we need younger cops. You ever think about that? If the average age of police officers is 39, then half of them very well may be older than 39. The most common ethnicity for police officers is white, 60%, followed by Hispanic or Latino at 18.2%, black or African-American at 12.9%, unknown race or multiracial is 4.6%. That's actually spot on demographically. So that's that's good. Give or take. That's not bad. Women earn 94% of what male police officers earn, so that's not quite parity, but it's a lot closer than in other other fields of employment. <laughs> 7% of police officers are, are LGBT. Do we, should we improve that number? That's 7% of officers are LGBT. It's representation, I suppose. All right. What else we got here? Police officers are 74% more likely to work at government companies in comparison to private companies. Of course. Okay. 83.2% male, 16.8% female. Maybe we need more lady police officers because they don't do as much shooting and killing. They don't. They're not as intimidating. Police officer gender ratio by year. It stayed relatively consistent. The high, so going back to 2010, the highest percentage of police officers that were women was in 2019, where 16.97% of the police force in this country was female. 1% Indian or Alaska Native police officers, 3.3% Asian, 
4.6% is multiracial. Black or African Americans are 12.9% of the American police force. Hispanic or Latino, 18.2%. This is from the Police Executive Research Forum. Last year, the Police Executive Research Forum, or PERF, asked its members to share information about their agency's staffing numbers. This year, they've updated the survey to include information of the most recent year that they have data for, 2022. Let's see what we got here. Percentage change in sworn officers. Oh, my God, cops are just quitting. Agencies provided the total number of sworn officers higher during the calendar years of 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. They reported a decline of more than 20% in 2020 alone, but hiring has somewhat rebounded in 2022. Responding agencies hired nearly 35% more sworn officers than in 2020. So George Floyd made a bunch of cops quit. Oh, Linda, what does she want? Linda, turn your radio down. Good morning, Professor. Good morning, your comrade, and good morning to Nation, all the good black Black and white white people people in this city. I encourage you to continue to be positive and continue to be yourself, because this city needs it. (laughs) But, Sherry, I just wanted to comment. uh, We should have a representation in the law enforcement because I think at this day and time, the psychological trauma of being a police pull over. Yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody was trying to pull me over. What is he doing this morning? (laughs) Because of the psychological trauma that uh, we, you know, really are at at this point as a people with police officers, it it should be a robust uh, change. Like, I think even young people from ninth through 12th grade should be introduced to, you know, that type of service because it really reflects, you know, a healing that the government should, should, you know, address in our cities. I know everything is not trauma. Everybody is not traumatized. We got to stop overusing that term. Otherwise, it's just going to be but like you crying know, wolf. Come on now. I know that. I understand that, too. I understand that, too. But we're specifically talking about white police officers in black communities with the history and the ongoing atrocities with relationships. I understand a lot of good cops or cops, period, have left, you know, that job. And because of the complicated, you know, issues, but we do know the history of policing. Correct. So I just think that we should have a different approach to resolving that. And you have to come by on. having now, more now black officers. Team. We have we got a solution that we can implement, hopefully in the short term, by encouraging more young. And I think you're alluding to that. But I also don't because if mm-hmm. if we are just hampered by trauma, first of all, I don't even know how black folks get out of bed in the morning. If everything that we have been through historically has led to trauma, I don't even know how we're even. Exactly. But that that's you why just, I think we're, we're conflating the issue of trauma. trauma. No, I'm, I'm being facetious. Linda. Black folks are not nearly as traumatized as people think. In fact, it makes black people automatically we, victims. I, 
I respectfully disagree because we have learned to tolerate. We have learned to suppress. How about we don't we project? If there are individual black people off. that are traumatized and have experienced trauma, then they need to talk about their individual trauma. But to say that black people are traumatized because of a particular history, I think that that's false. And I think that that is overinflating what trauma actually is. There's some black folks that have never had a bad experience with the police. There's some black folks that have never had a bad experience with racism at all to where it has impacted them permanently. So we can't say, oh, the trauma of the history. And there are some white people who are not racist. I understand that. Those are the outliers. I understand, uh, Sharon, but we're talking about the gist of the, the situation that we're in right now today, 2024. You ever been pulled over by the you police, know, Linda? Post-George post, post Floyd. Come on now. Okay. You trying to tell me that uh, you having to tell your son about what to do as a black young man when he uh, is in the car and approaches a, a white officer, that's not trauma? No. Come on now. A lot of times it's just it's respect. Have your hands at 10 and 2, turn a dome light on, pull over in a well-lit area, roll all the windows down. That ain't got to be trauma. Linda, let me, let me ask you, have you ever been pulled over by the police? Yes. Did they kill you? No, I'm serious. I went to the, and, I, and I got arrested. Uh, that I believe. Did they beat you? Did you get beat up by the police? I got arrested. What did you do, Linda? To go to the bullpen. What did you do? What? What did you do? Did you got arrested? Um, I think my license had expired or something. Uh, uh-uh, you ain't going to bullpen for that. What'd you do, Linda? That's it. No, uh, uh-uh. nope. What did you do? They are not it, it wasting space nor paperwork putting somebody in jail for expired license. What were you doing? <laughs> Come on, Linda, stop lying, everybody. Really, listening. what did you do? It was really minor, and my uh, ex-husband worked for. Uh, the city there and uh, got a lawyer. <laughs> he got me out. Don't nobody need a lawyer a because you don't get arrested and put in a bullpen for an ex- That's a my, ticket. My ex-husband got me out. What did you do, Linda? Worked for, you Linda, know, worked out I want to hear uh, about your trauma since everybody got trauma. Let's hear about yours. What did you do to get arrested? <laughs> exactly. My license plate had expired and I probably ran the red light. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. That's not. You're not going to jail for that, Linda. You have dope in the car? What did you do? You have a gun on the seat? I, I didn't go to jail. I got fingerprinted and I got in the bullpen. But uh, my Linda, for a traffic infraction, I'm literally telling you that that don't happen. What did you do to get arrested? Were you in cuffs? They cuffed you. Did they cuff me? I think so. Yes, the, I, no, it, I don't. You were not going in the bull. You, you rode in a squad it, car. They it got was so you. Long ago. They took you out of your huh? vehicle and put you in a squad car. I think, huh? What did you do, Linda? It you know exactly what you did. It was the car. I think it was the car. I don't know. I couldn't drive the car. Something. I don't know. I'm in. Was it gym. stolen? <laughs> no. Well, I got to take a break. I wouldn't drive a stolen car. All right. Well, you did something. You didn't just run a light and have an expired license plate and get thrown in jail. Back to the original subject, yes, I think that, you know, really, I'm just observing. I think if you was to uh, do a poll and ask people, do you think you're traumatized just from observing the racial divide that we're in today? 
That's traumatizing. Trauma doesn't exactly work because I don't want to compare someone who witnessed something to someone who was actually held under duress, someone who was beaten, someone who was assaulted, because they would take great offense to somebody watching something and then saying the trauma was the same. But either way, Linda, I got to I have to go now. I actually have to go. Linda did something real illegal. Talking about I got thrown in jail for having an expired license plate. No, the hell you did not. The truth was sure when Hughes will be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. At the heart of the problem is the exodus from law enforcement. Officer resignations were up 47% last year compared to 2019, the year before the pandemic, and Floyd's killing and retirements are up 19%. You know what I think? Who resigned? I think bad cops resigned. If I had to guess, I mean, it's probably been a mix for both, but what makes a bad cop? I've admitted on a number of occasions that I would be a terrible police officer, and it's a good thing that I'm not because I would profile, especially knowing what I know now. Is it too late for me to join the Academy? Is there like an age limit? I'm 48. Can I be a cop? Can I go to the, the cop school and be a police officer? Cause now I know how to recognize stuff. I can literally look at somebody and tell if they're doing something illegal or if they're about to, I can look at somebody and tell if they got dope on them, they got guns on them. I'm serious. I profile very, very accurately. And that wouldn't be good if I'm a police officer because I would pull all y'all over. I, w- I know I would. I would want to keep my community safe. I see one of y'all. I, um, let's, let's turn on the lights. Beep. Step out of my vehicle. Hey, how are you? Got your driver's license on you? Okay. Um. Why did you, this is me talking to the person I just pulled over if Sherwin was a cop. And I'd say, yeah, so why, um, why when I passed you, why did you look at me? And the person, I don't know, because I just, yeah, if you looked at me, you probably have uh, bodies in the trunk or guns or dope. So I'm going to have you step out of the vehicle and I would just search them. What are they going to do? Well, you can get a lawyer. <laughs> I'd be a terrible cop. I would pull over everybody. Yeah, that person looks suspicious. Sherwin, it is a white woman in her 20s walking her dog and her pushing her child in a stroller. Yeah, she's got heroin. It's going to go ahead and just rip open that diaper bag, see if we can find a shipment of fentanyl. I would seriously, I would not be a good police officer. At the heart of the problem is the exodus from law enforcement. Officer resignations were up 47 percent last year compared to 2019, the year before the pandemic and Floyd's killing. Compounding the exodus of veteran officers, young people are increasingly unwilling to go through the months of training necessary to become a police officer, said Chuck Wexler, executive director of the Police Executive Research Forum. And he says fewer people are applying to be police officers and more officers are retiring or resigning at a tremendous rate, Wexler said. There's a shortage of police officers across the country. So if we want more traffic enforcement, we got to hire more cops here in the city of Milwaukee. And we need more police because because of the the sales tax increase and the increased shared revenue, there was a caveat along with that that said we need a minimum number of police officers in the city of Milwaukee. We must always maintain 
1,650 police officers, and we also need a necessary number of police officers to occupy MPS schools. So y'all need to become a cop. You better become a cop before I decide to be one. If so, I'm putting cases on all you. The truth was sure when he was a be right back. 